0: Welcome to Senior Moments on 93.1 CFIS-FM.
1: Hello, Anthony? Oh, okay. Oh, this is Senior Moments. Uh, This is Sharon, and we've got Reg on the board today. And our first guest is online. I am very pleased to introduce Anthony Britneff. And Anthony has had 40 years, uh, working in forestry and, uh, since there's so many things happening with forestry and mills being shut down, I thought it would be really, um, positive to hear from somebody who was involved and had really great ideas for the health of, of the forest and the health of the industry. Uh, welcome Anthony Britneff to Senior Moments.
2: Thank you, and uh, good afternoon, and uh, first I should like to thank you, Sharon, for persuading me to join you this afternoon as a fellow senior. (laughs) I, I must say to your audience, Sharon, is delightfully persuasive.
1: (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) My
2: forestry training began in 1967 at the University of New Brunswick in the city of Fredericton and took five years, a a, a long degree program. During that time, summer jobs were plentiful, unlike today. One just had to... Uh, go to the dean and ask him to find you a job. He had uh, many contracts in government and industry all, of, all over Canada. The first job he found me was with Canadian International Paper to work on a log drive on lakes and the Gatineau River, the last uh, uh, log drive to take place on that river. I reported to CIP of the town of Maniwaki, north of Ottawa, from whence I was driven to a logging camp to join the crew and two other students, none of whom spoke English except for the two French students.
1: Oh, dear.
2: That summer was eventful and full of memories.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: At the end of my second year, in 1969, the dean found me a job in British Columbia, With the BC Forest Service, I traveled by rail across the country, something I was to do seven times more. Finally, I saw the physical Canada that I had remembered from my school geography lessons in England, a land of mountains and rivers. I I, I was completely overawed Mm -hmm. and, and, and felt... You know, my good fortune. I I couldn't believe where I'd landed. (laughs) That summer, I worked as a compassman on a forest survey crew stationed on the Cottonwood River, some 30 kilometers east of Quinelle. Much of what I saw in the bush was magnificent, especially the interior rainforest. But something about the clear-cutting and extensive amount of waste left on the ground disturbed me, even at that young age. Also, some of the public sustained yield units in in the area, like the Big Valley and uh, the Cottonwood PSYU, were overcut, Mm -hmm. and it was obvious. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: The next summer in 1970, I was to work throughout the northeast of the province in the vast Fort Nelson PSYU which went right up to the Yukon border, mm. bordered by Alberta and Yukon. Mm-hmm. The forest was largely untouched in those days except for an extensive network of seismic lines cut for oil and gas exploration. It was during this summer that I had my first encounter with a charging moose <laughs> rafting the Hay River. Uh-huh. <laughs> Shortly after reading Farley Mowat's book titled Never Cry Wolf, my co-worker, Don Min, and I had a frightening encounter on the Pedito River with a female wolf that attacked us. Ooh. As it jumped towards us, I, I shot it with a two rifle and it fell into the river in front of us. Mm-hmm. I immediately wrote to Farley Mowat, of course, <laughs> who responded saying that I... I get the accolade for being the first Canadian to be attacked by a wolf. <laughs> but I didn't qualify for the Sault Saint Marie Star Award of $2,000, <laughs> uh, which is the newspaper in his hometown, because the fine print requires that one be eaten by a wolf. <laughs> his explanation for the wolf's uncharacteristic behavior was that she likely had rabies.
1: Oh, dear.
2: During that summer, we went on long fly camps uh, from our base camp, which was located on the top of Radar Hill, just outside Fort Nelson. Two fly camps, rafting the Petticoat and the Hay Rivers, were each four days long. That's a long time to be out. yes. And before I leave Fort Nelson, I, I must mention the wonderful northern lights up there. Mm. Atop of Radar Hill, we had the best view possible. After dinner, we would sit outside and watch these fabulous kaleidoscopic shows of colors in the night sky. Wow! The fourth summer of 1971 took me to the coast where we surveyed the Kingham PSYU, now, working from the Forest Surveyor boat, which is the largest boat in the Forest Service fleet, mm-hmm. which no longer exists, uh, and using small motorboats, we, was uh, a completely different experience.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Our base camp was at Echo Bay, home to fishermen and beachcombers, and the notorious uh, Echo Bay Hotel, a watering hole for the community and the constant stream of recreational boats Uh, cruising the inlets and fields of of our truly incredible coastline. Mm -hmm. At a First Nations village, I commissioned Sam Johnson to carve me a mask of a Sasquatch. Years later, my wife couldn't stand it, (laughs) uh, which is why it now resides in the Royal British Columbia Museum. (laughs) One day, we were flown by helicopter to sample a stand of trees up the river at the head of Kingham Inlet. We landed on a gravel bar in the river and set our compass bearing to the stand of trees we had to sample. This patch of primary forest consisted of massive spruce trees, towering into the sky, and with girths so large, one had to walk around them to measure the diameter. It was the most magnificent forest I have ever been in, in my life. The experience was spiritual and a moment of truth for me a watershed moment in my young life, I realized that we were cruising this ancient forest to tabulate its timber volume in advance of the forest industry logging it. Mm -hmm. The thought of this happening changed my perspective on forestry from one of timber extraction or timber to be exploited to to, uh, one of uh, trees and forests to be conserved. This experience was really pivotal in my thinking about forestry. The need for uh, conservation was awakened within me. Mm -hmm. Uh, So by the time I graduated, I had already seen a fair amount of the province. The the B.C. Forest Service hired me as a classifier in 1972. This full-time job took me to Lake Williston, where our base camp was a barge on the lake. Mm -hmm. This is the lake behind the Bennett Dam. I'm sure you all know I'm talking to peers. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm sure everyone knows the Bennett Dam. The lake was an awful mess, full of deadheads. Our tug pulling the barge had to be fitted with a special guard to protect the propeller. Mm. Today, I would find the landscape to be unrecognisable because, uh, you know, because of the extensive clearcut logging. Mm-hmm. In 1972, though Mackenzie was an instant town. It was created overnight as a result of construction of the big dam. Mm-hmm. One of my most memorable years was spent surveying the Creston PSYU. I just loved that part of the province. Canoeing trips on the Moy River, Kootenai River, and the Goat River, all are memorable.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I also spent a summer stationed at Paul Lake, uh, just north of Kamloops, serving the Kamloops PSYU. After working as a forest classifier, which means a mapper of forests, I... Mm-hmm. Uh, Did environmental surveys mostly by helicopter identifying sensitive areas in the central and southern bc next my career took me to supervising large a large crew whose purpose was to determine this is completely different determine the lumber recovery factors to be used in the province's stumpage system This work took me to lumber mills all over the province. Mm -hmm. At that time, most mill owners uh, didn't have a clue how much lumber they got from bucking tree lengths and soaring logs.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. I enjoyed the traveling around the province for doing that work more than I did the inside of noisy mills. And uh, Mm -hmm. my legacy from those noisy mills is my impaired hearing today. Mm -hmm. Now, during all these Early years with the B.C. Forest, I experienced many different modes of uh, um, transportation that included uh, land rovers, canoes, rafts, small motorboats, helicopters, float planes, fixed wing aircraft, and pack horses. In fact, I believe I was the last person to use pack horses in forest inventory. Mm. That said, many miles were traveled by foot.
3: hmm
2: Unfortunately, those wonderful years of field work were to come to an end, to be replaced by administrative work with the occasional field trip. Mm. I worked on the quality control of the inventory database used in the determination of allowable annual cuts. During this period, I was uh, also a ministry representative on the old growth strategy. That was the first one, which government ignored. Mm-hmm. It was initiated by the then forest minister, Claude Richmond, before, mm-hmm. uh, before they lost uh, the election. I met the leading environmentalists uh, of the day, and at, at that uh, old growth strategy, which was a, a long sort of almost, I think, four week session, and our conversations, that is, with the with the environmentalists, reminded me of those massive ancient spruce trees up the river. Mm-hmm. So that, that memory haunts me mm-hmm. at the head of Kinkham Inlet. I then made a leap into strategic planning to apply uh, the master's of administration degree that I had earned in the mid 70s at the University of Victoria. I was given the challenge of writing the first business plan for the Forest Ministry as the lead author. From street strategic planning, I became the provincial lead for the silver cultural program, which uh, Premier Campbell got it from over one hundred million to eight million mm. budget. Those were very dark days, I I can assure you all. Mm -hmm. But one beam of light was the sheep vegetation management program that I managed to keep alive. I looked upon my annual field trip to join the vet and be with the sheep and their shepherds, herding dogs and guard dogs, as others might look upon a sort of seaside holiday. Mm -hmm. This was my respite from the madness of Campbell's ransacking. From silviculture, I was moved to restore morale and rebuild the forest health program dealing with, uh, uh, forest health deals with insect infestations and, and, and diseases. Mm-hmm. Campbell trashed this program and devolved it to industry. Um, given that it was uh, one of the most expensive programs in the Forest Service, uh, far fighting accepted everyone knew that industry would not want to take on such a massive cost. Mm -hmm. So as predicted, the program returned to the Forest Service with all the staff, but with half the money. Mm -hmm. Uh, Given the budget cut, I was still able to keep that sheep management program alive, even though it was no longer my responsibility. Mm -hmm. Uh, Leadership of the Forest Health Program was... Definitely the highlight of my administrative career in forestry. I love the people. Mm -hmm. I mean, what what great staff and so talented in their specialties. Now, some of them might be among your audience today. I I don't know, but they might be. They may, yeah. I retired in 2010 after 40 years of work with the BC Forest Service. I had a wonderful career among great people with absolutely no regrets. But ever since I stood under the canopy of that magnif- magnificent forest of massive ancient spruce trees, I had known that at some point in time, I would have to honor them. Mm-hmm. That time had come. Yes. In gratitude for a wonderful career, I committed to spend two years telling the people of BC what they needed to know about forestry, especially since uh, 2001, when Premier Campbell started to swing the wrecking ball.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Two years it, uh, has turned into uh, 13, and I'm oh. still active in advocating for regulatory and management change in forestry. So let me tell you how forest government has changed over my 40-year career. I witnessed poor government leadership, allowing the progressive regulatory capture of the Ministry of Forests by large logging companies. This has resulted in de facto uh, privatization of publicly owned forests. When I joined the BC Forest Service in the late 60s, and later as a forester, I was struck by the obvious leadership from the top that permeated throughout the organization to its lowest rungs. The organization was defined by a strong culture of unity of purpose and of belonging. Mm-hmm. In those days, the chief forester had direct line authority over operations from Victoria through five forest regions right down to the ranger of stations. The chief forester had a degree in forestry, had been initiated into the forest service with the same basic training as all other foresters, and had risen to the top through merit as a career civil servant. Since the 1950s, the common training at initiation in, into the service had consisted of the compulsory first two years working in forest inventory, as I did, mm-hmm. uh, which involved, you know, the collection of forest information, the mapping of forests, the management of data, and the reporting of forest descriptive statistics, which is important. So it was inevitable that any chief forester understood the critical importance of forest inventory, uh, in its application to um, uh, forest management, forest planning, and more especially to the setting of an allowable annual cut. That all began to change in 1978 with the introduction of a new Forest Act and a major reorganization of the Ministry of Forests, which centralized forest administration. For example, over 103 ranger stations and field offices were replaced by 36 district offices. 81 management areas, known as public sustained yield units, were merged into 36 uh, management areas, known as timber supply areas, Mm -hmm. which you are all resident in one of the largest in the province, largely to rationalize overcutting in in some of the PSYUs. 1978 was the year in which the forest industry began the regulatory capture of the Forest Ministry, the organization that you and the people have trusted with the management of the public's provincial forests. Now, by regulatory capture, I mean <clears throat> um, I mean the uh, co-option of, of a public regulator for the benefit of private companies. Mike Apsey, who had previously worked for the Council of Forest Industries, became the Deputy Minister. During his tenure as Deputy Minister, Apsey instituted a policy that was dubbed, certainly within the service, as sympathetic administration towards the forest industry. Previously, the role of the Forest Service had been strictly to regulate the industry, Mm -hmm. uh, but not from then on. Apsey also, in Initiated a, a new act called the Ministry of Forest and Range Act, which is still in force today. That legislation clearly spells out five purposes and functions of the Forest Ministry, which are, for the most part, timber centric and, and uh, uh, how shall I put, industry focused.
1: Anthony, um, we have to take a short break so we can come back and talk about those five. Okay. In just a second. Okay, so we'll take a break Sorry. and be back with Anthony in just a minute.
0: Community Radio CFISFM needs your support. While our station is run predominantly by volunteers, money is always needed to keep the monthly bills paid as well as for the production of new local programming. Memberships, donations, corporate sponsorships, and advertisers all help to keep your local independent broadcaster functioning. For more information on how you can contribute to this vital part of the Prince George Media Mix, visit our website at cfisfm.ca or give us a call at 250-563-2347.
4: Your Prince George Spruce Kings are recognizing the contributions and support of you, the fans, with Fan Appreciation Nights for the remainder of the regular season. Adult and senior tickets are just $10, with youth getting in for 5 thanks to Interior Savings Credit Union. Your Spruce Kings final two home games of the regular season are Friday and Saturday against the Salmon Arms Silverbacks. Single game tickets for these Fan Appreciation Nights are available online at sprucekings.bc.ca. Forecast from Environment Canada for today, a mix of sun and cloud. Wind from the south of 20k starting this afternoon, a high of 2. Tonight, partly cloudy. South winds continuing, a low of minus 6 with a wind chill to minus 13. On Wednesday, a mix of sun and cloud, a 30% chance of flurries early in the morning. More south winds with a high of 3. You're listening to Senior Moments on 93.1 CFIS-FM.
1: We are back with Anthony Britneff. So, Anthony, let's continue on um, with uh, the ministry, the deputy ministry uh, in that you were talking about, the uh, regulatory capture.
2: Yes. Okay. So uh, we were dealing with ATSI's new legislation, and in 1984, he left the Forest Service and returned to the Council of Forest Industries as its president and chief executive office officer. Throughout the remaining years of the 1980s, BC's Forest Service underwent significant privatization and contracting out of its activities, uh, another thing many of your uh, audience may remember. The Forest Ministry was a prime target for both, uh, an example being the privatization of, of the seedling nurseries. In 1992, Mike Harcourt was elected premier and the direction set by APSI and successive social credit governments shifted. Larry Pedersen rose to the position of Chief Forester in 1994 uh, based on merit. Uh, he was the last Chief Forester whose position needed mastery of forest inventory, growth and yield modeling, and the whole process of AAC determination. The Forest Practices Code, of British Columbia Act, that's known as the Code, was enacted in 1995 under the progressive leadership of Harcourt's government. Andrew Petter was the minister responsible for the Code and a province-wide program of land-use planning. The government initiated the Code in large part at the behest of the forest industry, which is not often mentioned. Uh, in order to calm international export markets for B.C. forest products, which were at the time experiencing boycotts uh, because of the province's poor forest practices. In fact, B.C. had become known as the Brazil of the North.
3: Mm.
2: Uh, Stakeholders and the public were engaged in land-use planning and in reviewing draft legislation. After his election in 2001... Gordon Campbell ransacked the the entire public service everywhere. Everyone felt it, including the B.C. Forest Service. Prior to 2002, the office of the chief forester was also the main policy arm of the forest ministry. Much forest policy was based in science, thanks to uh, a long-established and internationally renowned research branch reporting to the chief forester. The chief forester's position was also responsible for inventory, silver culture, tree seed improvement, and the forest health programs, as well as for land use planning, timber supply analysis, and AAC determinations. I may have forgotten some, but, but in 2002, Campbell's government began to, to dismantle the B.C. Forest Service, including the chief forester's division. Campbell's purge scrapped detailed annual and periodic reporting. It eliminated the research grants. It removed the inventory and forest health programs from the forest ministry. And it reduced by 94% the silvicultural budget for reforestation of all those forests close to all of you that were destroyed by mountain pine beetle and by wildfire. The chief forester's only remaining statutory responsibility was for AAC determinations. So Campbell enabled the complete regulatory capture of the forest ministry by one clever move, by giving industry a prominent role in the writing of forest legislation. Just a few meters down the hall from my office, lawyers from the Council of Forest Industry were actively engaged in the drafting of the Forest and Range Practices Act, which was to replace the code. And now I mean drafting, I'm not talking about reviewing. This was unheard of in government and possibly illegal, I don't know. The Forest and Range Practices Act was assented to in 2000, late 2002, I suppose, and most of the code was rescinded in, I think, 2004. This meant that only the remaining standards for forest practices were tree seed standards and stocking standards. Think about that. Other operating standards were embodied in government action regulations, which are colloquially known as GAR, G A R, and they are not legally binding. The Forest and Range Practices Act pays lip service to what are described as ten. Timber resource values such as biodiversity, soil and water, timber is the 11th value. Objectives for some of these uh, resource values are found in the regulations of the Forest and Range Practices Act, most of which are, in terms of objectives, are completely meaningless because they're without benchmarks against which you know, one can measure results. The industry's influence can be seen in the regulation wording of the extent to which the non-timber values could be re- protected. Such protection could not, uh, uh, the phrase is, unduly reduce the supply of timber, which meant in policy not more than 6% for a management unit, an arbitrary, uh, you know, meaningless level of protection. But at long last, today, the E. B. government has decided to remove that unduly phrase from legislation, so that's a good move. From now on, timber was king in law, back to Campbell, and uh, land-use plans were allowed to become outdated, and the Forest Ministry only needed to pretend it was managing public forests for multiple uses and for ecosystem and cultural values other than timber. This act... Uh, and its intended regulations, and an ingenious policy of professional reliance, which you've probably heard many times, was a passport to industry self-regulation, and they remain so today. Professional reliance essentially replaced government regulation with professional opinion. The Campbell government devolved regulatory responsibility to industry, which abnegated this responsibility, to professional reliance. The B.C. Forest Service had become an extension of the forest industry. In 2003, the morphing of the small business program into the B.C. timber sales, which is a logging giant responsible for 20% of the allowable cut in the province. Uh, With that morphing, government became industry. In fact, in my view, the forest industry operates Uh, The forest industry uh, operates through the forest ministry, and the ministry affects its policy through the industry. Starting in 2009, the forest ministry executive dabbled in uh, social engineering by purging the ministry of, you know, the last sort of vestiges of what I refer to as the old public service ethic through downsizing. Finally, the B.C. Forest Service was officially dissolved in 2012, marking its centennial uh, 1912-2012. to The ministry has never had a land ethic. The ethical tone of the ministry is set by its executive ranks and senior managers, and is best described by Margaret Somerville's term, situational ethics, which enable the worst excesses of a can-do culture. Uh, some of them such as concealment or obfuscation stonewalling is a big one and I'm afraid to say some active disinformation too once instructed to be independent of industry the forest ministry staff now under this under this present legislation and present culture no longer have to sort of put on any false front instead of formulating policy within government the chief forester obtains advice from a leadership team comprised of only industry chief foresters. Uh, You know, more recently, the government had no qualms about inventing a role for the former chief foresters, a trade envoy, shilling for industry and promoting the pellet industry. The point here is that through deregulation, through the steady demise of a regulatory role, for the forest ministry and through the decline of a meaningful role for the province's chief forester we are left with the forest ministry bereft of laws of forest policy policy formulation and of any semblance of independence from the industry it should regulate Mm -hmm. change matters yes Uh, the history of forest government since 1912 is about change both good and bad But since the turn of the century, the forest ministry has completely lost its way, in my view, and you, the public, need to reorient it or replace it under new legislation with regulatory purpose that defines the sustainable relationship between the conservation of the natural world and its web of life and the use of all natural resources. That is my story, Sharon. Mm -hmm. I hope I've not bored you and your audience to tears. Yeah. It's a pleasure to be on your radio broadcast and thank you so much for having me.
1: Well, thank you and I have, uh, I did send out emails to MLAs and, uh, environmental people and got, so some of them are listening and some of them are going to pick it up on, um, later on. But I want to thank you for how much you care, um, and for sharing this with us because this is very important for the future of our, um, our province. So, thank you very much, Anthony, for giving us your time today.
2: You're more than welcome. And uh, I don't often give interviews. I turn down <laughs> interviews usually. But uh, as I said, Sharon, you you have a charm, a <laughs> delightful persuasiveness about you. So,
1: well, I want to I'm catch happy. up, and I hope to talk to you again.
2: Yeah. thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Uh, and now we'll take a short break, and our next guest is just getting ready to play for us.
4: The Prince George RCMP is requesting your help in locating 50-year-old Troy McCafferty, wanted for robbery, assault, and two counts of failure to comply with probation. McCafferty is described as a Caucasian male, six one, 150 pounds, with graying brown hair, blue eyes, and a tattoo on each side of his neck. He is considered violent and should not be approached. If you know the whereabouts of Troy Eugene Daniel McCafferty, call the Prince George RCMP at 250-561-3300. Scouts Canada, they say yes when others say no. On March 24th, Scouts Canada wants parents to say yes to kids for fun activities, even if some of them seem wild and crazy-ish at first. Volunteer Scouters have pro tips and hacks to help parents with bringing their kids' ideas to life. Saying yes and to their ideas will help them with exploring new skills and discovering their own thing. In preparation for Kids Yes Day, visit scouts.ca for more information. Two Rivers Gallery is excited to host this year's annual general meeting in person on Wednesday, March 29th. Details on this year's guest speaker are soon to be announced, so stay tuned. Everyone is welcome and refreshments will be served. Members in good standing are eligible to vote. Pick up your membership at the gallery or through tworiversgallery.ca. The Two Rivers Gallery in-person AGM, 6.30 Wednesday, March 29th at Two Rivers Gallery, where creativity flows in Canada Games Plaza. You're listening to Senior Moments on 93one CFISFM. CFIS-FM.
1: Eric Bennett time coming up and he's uh, moving uh St. Patrick's Day up a little bit, and I wore green and a St. Patrick's shirt, and he doesn't have a touch of green on him. <laughs>
3: so welcome.
5: <laughs> I never thought about that. Yeah. No, I know. Well, actually, I mean, we're early for St. Patrick's Day. Yes. And uh, But we're right on time for International Pie Day.
1: Okay.
5: Yeah. But that is not pie as in the kind that we would enjoy, as in apple, blueberry, uh, <laughs> etc. Yeah, it's uh, 314. So it's, and later on there's actually, believe it or not, mathematic people who major in math, they make songs up about pie. Okay. And so we might do one of those later. P.I. P.I., <laughs> P.I., yeah. So, you know, I mean, March is a pretty historic month. I mean, the Ides wasn't a good day for Julius Caesar. The certainly P. wasn't. <laughs> but, of course, but next week... Uh, do you remember the old TV show, 77, Sunset Strip? Oh, yes. Yeah, you know, Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. And, yes. And the cute Connie Stevens who would go, Kooky, kooky, lend me, me hear your comb. comb. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's the age I hit next week. Oh, do 77, you? Seventy-seven. So I just remember as in the sunset.
1: On, on 17th? Or? No,
5: on, no. The, on the
1: 22th. 22th, eh? Yeah. <laughs> kooky, kooky, lend me your comb. We wouldn't dare lend each other combs today. Oh, gosh, no. Not without rubber gloves and...
5: <laughs> but think about it. Years ago, when the world became anti-people yes. uh, in general... Oh, don't talk to strangers. Yeah. Uh, don't get in a car with anybody you don't know. That's right. You know, don't get on the internet. Uh, there are bad people out there. Now you go on the internet to get a driver and get into a car of somebody you've never ever met before. <laughs> That's right. You know. But think about yeah. That.
1: Well, I think about it when they wouldn't let me in the bank because I didn't have a mask on. And and if I wore a mask in a bank years ago, I would have been arrested.
3: <laughs> kooky,
1: yeah. kooky.
5: You know what? He signed his name, Ed Bernstein, with kind of like a very angled E and B. Uh-huh. And being a young, impressionable fellow as I was in those days... Uh, I copied that.
1: Oh, okay. And
5: that's how I got my first job through the... Uh, they had an actually, You know, rather than unemployment centers, it was actually an employment center, and you went there, and they yeah. had all these jobs, and they sent you different... And the lady said, Wow, that is a really strong signature. You would do really good in this business. <laughs> yeah. Sounds silly, eh? Yeah. Really. Anyway, well, I, I did bring a few irishy type songs. Okay, and, good. And... Uh, and feel free to to, to sing on. So here's one uh, I think that everybody probably knows. The gypsy rover over came over the hill Down through the valley so shady He whistled and he sang till the green woods rang And he won the heart of a lane he doo dah day, Oddie doo, oddie day. He whistled and he sang till the green woods rang, and he won the heart of old lady She left her father's castle gates, she left her own fond lover. She left her servants and her state To follow the gypsy road over He left behind her velvet gowns And shoes of Spanish leather They whistled and they sang And the green woods rang As they rode off together what he Hottie doo, hottie, hottie doo, hottie day. They whistled and sang till the green woods rang. And he won the heart of that lady, Haiti. Her father, he mounted his fastest steed. And he rode the valleys all over. Seeking his daughter at great speed. And the whistling gypsy, ho oh, oh. A mansion by down by the river Clady, and there was music and there was wine for the gypsy and his lady. Oddy do, oddy do, oddy, oddy do, oddy day. He whistled and he sang till the queen would rang, and he won the heart of his lady. No gypsy, my father, she said, but lord of these lands all over. And I will stay to my dying day with my whistling gypsy. Oh, oh, oh. Audie doo, audie doo da doo, day. He whistled and he sang till the green greenwoods rang. He won the heart of his lady He won the heart of a lady
1: Lovely. We have to take a short break. we we'll be right back with Eric Bennett.
4: Advocate's Walk for Life is an in-person, family-friendly outdoor event which gives walkers and runners the opportunity to participate in peer-to-peer fundraising. Invite your friends and family to sponsor your walk and tell them about Advocate's life-saving work. Registration and full details are available at walkforlife.ca where you can also create a fundraising page to share with family and friends. This year's Advocate Walk for Life is set for Saturday, May 27th from 1230 to 4 in Claytonay Memorial Park. Forecast from Environment Canada for today, a mix of sun and cloud. Wind from the south of 20k starting this afternoon, a high of 2. Tonight, partly cloudy. South winds continuing, a low of minus 6 with a wind chill to minus 13. On Wednesday, a mix of sun and cloud, a 30% chance of flurries early in the morning. More south winds with a high of 3. This is Senior Moments on 93.1 CFIS FM.
5: We're back with Eric Bennett. Yes, Eric. I was going to say I was uh, I was looking for some songs and uh, and there was a couple I was going to do but I just uh, I just couldn't do them well enough because I I can't even quite do uh, Johnny Cash's six anyway long story made short I was uh, looking for the uh, for the chords to this song and uh, one version of it is sung by the Irish Rovers well guess who's on tour. In British Columbia, well, they're across Canada, the Irish Rovers. They're in Kelowna in a few days, and oh. they're in Vernon after that. So Kelowna is sold out, and I'm trying to think, do I really want to? Kelowna would be easy. I could fly to Kelowna. Yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing them. And they have another hit song out. Uh, which I can't do, but we'll do it another day. Yeah. And it's really, it is a song for the times. Uh, I should have brought some of the lyrics, but it's basically, remember when times were good and people were polite and, and, <laughs> and whatnot. And it is really, you know, and of course they sing it in a bar in Victoria. What could be more fitting? Really? Uh, yeah. You know, and. Uh,
1: oh, that's really neat that they're back on, on track, you know? Yeah.
5: But they're not coming to Prince George. I mean. You How know, come? I have no idea. I'll write them a letter. Well, no. We should probably write the people here a letter. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure they must know about tours, but yeah. <clears throat> but anyway, I, I think, as I told you, I'm. I'm having. It's my birthday next week, so I just thought that I had something here that might be of interest, of support to uh, older people like me, <laughs> and it might be of interest to younger people to understand older people. Yes. Because basically, as I tell people, I'm a teenager. It's a senior teenager. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and I'm kind of living my life like the movies, where each adventure is a sequel. So far, I've lived through youth part one. Yeah, yeah. The carefree youth, carefree years, youth part two. The get her done years, you know, part three. And now I'm in part four. What happened? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know. What the heck? <clears throat> but, you know, as a teenager, I've got everything I wanted as a teenager. Yes. Only 50 odd years later. I don't have to go to school or work. Yeah. I get an allowance every month. i got a place of my own. I don't have a curfew. Wouldn't matter. I'm usually asleep by 9.30 anyway. (laughs) i got a driver's license. I have my own car. I've got ID that gets me into the bars and the pubs and the liquor and the wine stores, especially the wine stores. My ID also gets me price discounts at lots of places. Yes. And I woke up today, and I'm moving around, and I'm not using the cane anymore. So life is pretty good. Wow. You know?
1: Wow. When did you have that surgery? Was it in October?
5: Yeah yeah
1: boy that's amazing you've done terrific for an old geezer
5: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but anyway for, for for- you know for for people they have to understand as we get older um and and, and especially i think older people should be uh, be more empowered knowing what some new research reveals hmm and really, you see all of these games. You know, if you go online, uh, you've got the brain of an 86-year-old or twenty oh, yeah, right. or 45. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, you've got the brain of a 25-year-old. Well, that's too bad, you know. <laughs> people don't decline mentally with age. The brains of older people only seem slower because we know so much. It takes longer for us to recall facts simply because we've got more information in our brains to sift through. And, and this is, uh, researchers at OLDU say this slowing thought process isn't the same as cognitive decline. The human brain works slower in old age, says Dr. Michael Oldman, because over time we have stored more information. The brains of older people don't get weak. They get bogged down simply by knowing a lot more. Just the same as your computer struggles speed wise and slows down as the hard drive becomes full and fragmented. So we older folks take longer to access information our brains are full and fragmented a little bit after years of, of, of all the data that we've input doctors also think that if you've got a too full brain it can make you harder of hearing as it puts added <laughs> pressure on your inner ear Thus, the needs for hearing age as we get older now in contrast many younger people feel they need an advantage to get ahead they can't remember quite as well so they substitute for brains by outsourcing on memory cards and mobile phones and tablets and stuff you know, and they go, so they go online, you know, to Google and Facebook to obtain information whether or misinformation, uh-huh. you know, and now even younger people are experiencing early hearing loss from loud earphones, long hair, and ear piercings. <laughs> so. Especially the big hole in the ear
1: one. Yeah. You know, we, we thought that the people in Africa were, you know, and now who's doing it all? <laughs> <laughs>
5: And then the other issue is, you know, as people get older and, 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 you know, we might go somewhere to another room or maybe we're shopping or or we're looking to get something. But when we get there, you know, we forget and wonder what we came for. (laughs) Fitness research indicates this is not a memory problem at all. Uh-huh. It's nature's way of ensuring that older people get the exercise they need. <laughs> <laughs> the scenarios easily help. Usually you're sitting down when whatever idea or the need arose. So when you find yourself standing somewhere and you can't wonder, you know, you're wondering why, you simply smack yourself hard on the butt and uh-huh. it reactivates your sit down brain. And you'll recall <laughs> why you're there. And remember, if you're here, then, well, this is where you are. So we should share this. I just thought we should share this information to, uh, you know, to help I think seniors feel better about themselves and yes. younger people to realize uh, it may take us a little longer, but, you know, it's all in there. It's just overload.
1: Yeah. The search engine just can't move as quickly as it used to.
5: Yeah,
1: I'm on pause a lot.
5: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was going to do a song called The Irish Rover, and, of course, it, the, it it's about a boat. Uh and with a little Irish hyperbole, you know, it, it had twenty-three masts and it stood several blasts, <laughs> and took seven years to try and sail to uh, to New York City and never got there.
3: Uh-huh.
5: But anyway, but but I was mucking about, and, and and friends thought this would be a good song to play. Long time ago. When the earth was green, there was more kinds of animals than you've ever seen. Ah, they'd run around free while the earth was being born. The loveliest of all was the unicorn. Ah, there was green alligators and long necked geese. Some Humpty-back camels and some chimpanzees. Some rats and cats and elephants, but sure as you're born, the loveliest of all was the Unicorn. My God seen some sinning, and it gave him pain. He said, stand back, I'm going to make it rain. He said, hey, Brother Noah, I'll tell you what to do. Build me a floating zoo, and take some of them green alligators, and long-necked geese, some back camels, and some chimpanzees, some cats and rats and elephants, but sure as you're born, don't you forget my unicorns. Now though he's there to answer the calling, he finished making the ark just as the rain started falling. And he marched in the animals, two by two, and he called out as they came through. Hey, Lord, got your green alligators and long neck geese, humpty back camels and some chimpanzees, uh, some rats and cats and elephants, but Lord, I'm so forlorn, just can't find no unicorns. Well, then Noah looked out the driving rain The unicorns were hiding And just playing silly games Kicking and splashing While the rain was falling All oh, them silly unicorns Ah, oh, there was green alligators And a long-necked geese Haunted by camels and chimpanzees Noah cried, close the door, cause the rain is pouring, and we just can't wait for those unicorns, and the ark started moving, it drifted with the tide, the unicorns looked up from the rocks and they cried, and the waters came down and sort of floated them away, that's why you never see a unicorn to this very day, but you'll see green alligators and longback gifts. Some hunty-backed camels and some chimpanzees, some cats and rats and elephants. As sure as you're born, you're never gonna see no unicorns. Now you might think that this is the end of the song, that the unicorns were lost. But friends, you'd be wrong. See, unicorns are magical, and so when the rains kept pouring, they grew themselves some wings and took. Flying and soaring So you'll see lots of alligators And a whole mess of geese Humpty back camels and chimpanzees But if you're looking for them unicorns Don't be so forlorn From the stars into your dreams at night and fly away by misty moon The green alligators Long-netted geese Humpty back camels and some chimpanzees
1: take another short break.
4: The downtown branch of your Prince George Public Library is hosting another
0: Games for Grown-Ups event Thursday. The free drop-in event runs from 6 to 7 30 and gives gaming enthusiasts a chance to challenge other players at board or video games, meet up with former adversaries, and make new friends or enemies. Games for Grown Ups runs every second Thursday at the downtown library from 6 to 7.30.
4: Come on down this Thursday and let the games begin.
5: On Tuesday, March 7th, shortly before 9 p.m., the Prince George RCMP responded to an altercation at the apartment building on the 1500 block of Queensway. When officers arrived, they found one man deceased. If you happen to have witnessed the altercation, have recording of the incident on surveillance or dash cam footage of anybody coming or going from the area around 9 p.m. March 7th. You're asked to call the Prince George RCMP at 250-561-3300.
4: You're listening to Senior Moments on 93.1 CFIS -MM. (laughs) FM.
1: We're back with Eric Bennett.
5: That was written by who? A um, guy named Shell Silverstein, I, th- I think he wrote it while he was in jail. Shell was a very different guy. He wrote uh, lots of funny poems, which I keep bringing here and then never never reading, so I left him at home. There's this one about grandkids. Well, I use jazz to be grandkids and stuff. But... So, um, yeah. I don't know. I-, I think rather than sing it, um, I told you that there's a song, there's a couple of songs about pie because it's international private. And uh, and this is a song, he actually goes through the hundred digits of pie. And this is the funny. They said, Would you like some pie? I said, Yes, I would. I forgot they majored in math. I would undo it if I could. They said 3.1451926535897932834. Six, two, four, three, 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 and goes on and on. They said, would you like some more? I said, that's okay. I don't really need to know, but they went on anyway. They said, 83, I said, gee, I'm running late. Sorry, I can't stay. They said that just works out fine. Then walk with me the whole way, and then they give him a bunch of. Them. I said, please just make it stop, stop, make it stop right now. I can't take it anymore. And it goes on. Uh, well,
1: once you get into those numbers and adding, I don't remember studying pi. Actually, mm-hmm. I just remember algebra. You know, yeah. but no pi.
5: But you know, I forget. There is some fellow that can can do it. Mm-hmm. by memory up to a couple of thousand. Oh digits. my goodness! Anyway, here was one that they that everybody liked to watch for the Irish Rovers do. Yeah, <laughs> I will attempt it. <laughs> her eyes they shone like the diamonds. Did think she was queen of the line with her hair hung. Tied up with a black velvet band In a neat little town they call Belfast Apprentice to trade I was bound And many an hour's sweet happiness I spent in that neat little town But bad misfortune came o'er me And caused me to stray from the land, Far away from me friends and relations. To follow that black velvet band. Well, I went a strolling one evening, not meaning to go very far. Then I met with a pretty young damsel. She was prying her trade in a bar. When a watch she took from a customer and slipped it right into my hand, and the very next thing I found was. Bad luck to the black velvet band Oh, her eyes, they shone like diamonds You'd think she was queen of the land With her hair hung over her shoulder Hold tied up with a black velvet band Next morning before judge and jury For trial we both do appear And the judge, he says, young fellow, me lad the case against you is, is quite clear And seven long years is your sentence Ah, you're going to Van Diemen's land Far away from your friends and relations Betrayed by the black velvet van All oh, her eyes they shone like diamonds I thought she was queen of the land With her hair hung over her shoulders Tied up with a black velvet band So come all ye jolly young fellows And I'll have you take warning from me Whenever you're out on the town, me lads Beware of the pretty callings Cause they'll treat you to whiskey and porter Until you're not able to stand And the very next thing you know, me lads you will end up in Bandida's land. Oh, her eyes, they shone like diamonds. I thought her the queen of the land. With her hair hung over her shoulders, tied up with a black velvet band. Oh, her eyes, they shone like diamonds. She thought she was queen of the land. With her hair hung over her shoulders tied up with a black velvet band. Of course, Van Dienen's land would be Australia. Yes. Long trip. <laughs> just for a pocket watch.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and then seven years.
5: Yeah. You've got it. Well, most of those folks never came back. I mean, you know. No. More, more... Imagine cognitive. what you
1: got put in jail for
5: back in those yeah. days. So, I'll, I'll do... Uh, one more because I think we've got just about that time and it's short. And of course that famous Irishman uh, Bing Crosby I don't know whether he was Irish or not I do know that his wigs were made by a, uh, a lady, or his hairpieces were made by a lady in Ireland. I was told so <laughs> by the fellow that thought I should <coughs> perhaps be buying one. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> When Irish eyes are smiling Sure it's like a morning spring, with a lilt of Irish laughter, you can hear the angels sing, and when Irish hearts are happy, all the world seems bright and gay, And when Irish eyes are smiling, sure they'll steal your heart away to a little run. Turlur lura, lura, hush now, don't you cry. Turlur lura, turlur lura, turlur lura, lura, lura. That's an Irish lullaby, and when Irish eyes are smiling, it's like a morning spring. To the lilt of Irish laughter, you can hear the angels sing, and Irish hearts are happy, and the world seems bright and gay, and when Irish eyes are smiling, sure they steal your heart away. tour over. Tour allure, 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 that's allure,
0: Senior Moments is a co-production of 93one CFISFM and the Prince George Council of Seniors. Senior Moments is produced by Sharon Heard. Theme music is courtesy of Goff Brooks Music. Catch the rebroadcast of today's show tonight at 9 or replay past shows through the podcast at CFISFM.ca. You're tuned to Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFISFM, proudly supported by community groups like Two Rivers Gallery, where creativity flows in Canada Games Plaza.